0: Want to thank everybody for your prayers over the last week and a half. We uh, we had a wonderful trip. Amazing things happened. God did uh, did did and is doing wonderful things. We uh, we were in three different locations. I'm just going to give a real brief synopsis uh, because the service uh, the sermon is different than what I feel like we're supposed to share this, uh, th- at least this part, but I know people want to know that we uh, we were in three, di- three different locations. The first one is in a town called Uska, which is over by the Ukrainian border. Uh, a number of our team went up actually up to, to the border and prayed for Ukraine while uh, while we were there. But uh, since we were there even last year, it, God's been doing some powerful things. There is definitely a revival uh, amongst the, the Roma people, the gypsy people, in that area. Uh, When we left last year, there was one church um, of about 100 people or so that we were working with the pastor there. That pastor now has, uh, through the the people of his church, um, there are now five churches. And uh, he is going every day of the week from one place to the next ministering, uh, leading Bible studies, so on and so forth. The biggest need we have now is to train pastors. Um, it's just—it's happening so quickly. We, uh, the last place that we ministered, we, we ministered in three different churches during that first part of the week, and the third one was actually a church that had started a month ago, and it's already 150 people. The um, power of God is moving mightily. Uh, we saw people saved at every meeting, every, uh, every service. Uh, we saw people filled with the Holy Spirit and healings. I mean it was just what God is doing there is absolutely amazing and, and probably you know I could say I mean, there were many highlights uh, throughout the week and a half, but one of them happened there uh, it was actually the very first night we got into into uska and you know, it was the first night that I was there, um, and we met with the leaders of those five churches and uh, just had a time of fellowship and and they shared testimonies and they just wanted to learn a little bit more about us cuz many of them we had never met before um and uh we as we were listening to their testimonies what God has been doing among them it was powerful because these these guys are not pastors these guys are not trained leaders uh trained ministers they're people just like you and I um they're people that uh have a vision for God to touch their town. Each one would get up and say, You know, God has put, put a, a burden in my heart for my town, my city. City, I mean, people, you know, 250 people. And uh, so they said, When God brought us to this church, the, the pastor encouraged us to reach out. And so we just started a Bible study, and now there's a church planted there. And that's all happened within the last six months. Uh, it's just it's wonderful. Absolutely amazing that God is doing through His church through His people, and we met with the, the leaders there for three days and just uh, taught and 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 dealt with real life stuff that leaders and ministers need to deal with and and uh, you know dealing with questions and and uh, problems and so on and so forth. It was it was glorious. We went through, from there. <clears throat> we went for three days to uh, Pastor Attila's church in Tangalits. And did a faith conference there. Um, the background of that is that over the last four years, he's been asking us to come and do a faith conference. Uh, but four years ago, it started out as, come and teach us why faith doesn't work. I was like, well, that's not the reason we're going to come and teach anything there. It's the, wrong, it's the wrong question. Then the next year was, well, come and teach us why faith doesn't work in Hungary. And I said, well, that's still not the right question. That's not the right invitation. And then last year, he said, please come and teach us about faith. And I was like, that's the right question. That's the right heart, right invitation. And so we went, and Pastor Dan uh, uh, um, Lewis spoke on what faith is the first night, and I got to speak on what faith isn't. And just talked about the reality because the the problem in there is there's just a lack of teaching, lack of good teaching, lack of biblical, sound biblical teaching. There's a lot of hype. There's a lot of the, the goofiness that you see uh, on uh, m- m- much of Christian TV and everything else. It's just all about the money. It's all about me getting your money. And uh, it's not the right way. It's not the right. That's not the right heart. And so we talked about what faith isn't. And then we taught for three days. On faith, what, what, how faith works, how it really works, what it's really for, and putting everything into context. And uh, the, the fruit of, what, of that was at the end of the weekend, Pastor Attila stood up and he said, that is the most balanced teaching on faith I've ever heard. And he says, I'm back in. He says, the church is supposed to operate by faith. It was wonderful. Uh, there was a young man there who had come out of a church, actually called the Faith Church uh, in Budapest. And there is some of even the, the more crazier uh, uh, stretches of the faith message and the faith movement. And he said when he heard that uh, there was going to be some people coming from America and Switzerland and Belarus to teach on faith, he got nervous. He didn't like it. He didn't, he didn't want to hear it because he says, I just got out of that stuff. And at the end he came up to us and said, "Thank you that's faith that's truth so just a wonderful time people got saved there uh, filled with the Holy Spirit wonderful time then we went to uh Sikahid. is a town many of you have been to uh there is the 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 poorest of the poor these uh these folks are they live in mud hovels ten foot by ten foot mud hovels and it's just it's, I've been, we've been going there, I've been going there for 11 years, and uh, I have to admit, this time the poverty got to me. Usually I can kind of guard my heart and kind of block out the reality of it, but this time it, uh, it got to me. But as we were there, uh, seeing what God's doing, it's absolutely amazing. The the focus of, of uh, Dan and Marta's ministry there now has changed from building a church which there's a church there and uh, the church is packed out every single time the doors open every Wednesday night every Sunday morning every special meeting you can't get any more people in there it's so hot in there they don't even they don't even put the the fireplace on anymore they heat with wood and they don't even turn it was so hot in there, you just you just sweat I mean it's just crazy but there's so many bodies but they're so hungry and uh, 11 years ago, and I tell, I'll tell two quick stories, uh, 11 years ago, the first time I ever spoke there with Brian uh, Eager, and Pastor Greg, and Pastor Dan and I were there. Uh, in the middle of when I was preaching, it was just crazy. Everybody's talking, everybody's moving, things are, you know, you just, it's like, uh, it's like uh, working with uh, teenagers. And, uh, but, uh, it's just distracting. I mean, it's just like, what is going on? They don't sit still. They don't, they don't pay attention. They're just moving constantly. In the middle of it, this, uh, this uh, elderly woman gets up, walks across the aisle, grabs a kid out of the aisle and just starts wailing on him, beating on him, beating and shaking the kid and throwing him down and slapping. And then she goes and sits down and says, amen, amen. I mean, and that was just normal. That was, that was the way things happened every week, and it was just, it was bizarre. I mean, I, I loved it. It was just, you know, that should happen here every once in a while. No, I'm just kidding. But it was just bizarre. Now, 11 years, move forward 11 years, every service we were in, they sat with their Bibles open, with their Bibles open on their laps, following along as best they could, focused, Listening. It was amazing. Powerful. But the most amazing thing that was happening there is the focus now is, is education, educating the youth. And uh, we went into uh, the, 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 the school. They're having a school five days a week. And the first room that we went into is a group of kids who've been kicked out of the public school. They can never go to school again in the public system in Romania. They've missed too much, or they've been too much of a problem, or whatever else. And they've been kicked out. And, they, and, and I'm not talking 17-year-olds, I'm talking 11-year-olds. 11, 11, 12 years old, can't read, can't write, kicked out, can never go back again. Sitting there, studying. Beginning to read, beginning to write, beginning to do mathematics. And they stood up. And each one of them said their name how old they are because that one of the things they've worked on all year is is what is your, how what is your name how old are you and what is what is, what is god calling you to be who do you want to be when you grow up and that's huge that you it's, it may sound minimal to us but to to them just to say their name uh intelligently to you instead of mumbling instead of ignoring you whatever but standing there and then to say their, their 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 age, most of them had no idea how old they were. They didn't know what day they were born. They didn't know how old they were. They didn't know just the simplest thing about themselves. And each one would say, "My name is so and so," and uh, this is my 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 uh, age is this. There was one young girl there who was so um, damaged because she's she's not mentally unstable but she's just she's so hurt so damaged been hurt for so long she still after five months cannot remember her birthday they have to remind her every time but just having them say it most of them could stood up said their name said their their birthday and then the most amazing thing (laughs) what do you want to do when you get when you grow up now Half of the boys wanted to be football players, soccer players. That's all right. One of them wanted to be a chauffeur. He wanted to get a driver's license, buy a car, and take people places where they needed to go. That's a job there, man. I mean, that's that's a high-paying job in that community. Another girl, her dream is to sell pizza. Now, that just sounds kind of cute, doesn't it? I mean, it sounds neat. But what's amazing about that is... Six months ago, most gypsies, most gypsies in the world, don't know what tomorrow brings, let alone when they grow up. Their whole life is about surviving day to day, and to get them to think, what do you want to be when you grow up, is amazing. But these are the kids with all the, everything against them. They're kicked out. They've already m- messed up their, their chances of reading and writing and so on. In the next room was a preschool. Preschool, four five-year-olds, and it was the most delightful thing. I've got video. You'll see the video someday. We're going to put together a a presentation that we're going to be starting to do fundraising with. But it was absolutely delightful. These little four- and five-year-old kids sitting with bright eyes, singing. They sang a song five minutes long where they remembered every single word and every single action. Okay, that's not normal for them. They were reading, one little kid, I mean, no bigger than, you know, gosh, that tall, but four years old, I mean, completely stunted because of malnutrition, was standing in the middle of the room, and the teacher was randomly putting letters up on the board, and that little kid, as soon as they recognized the letter, bow, 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 was just naming the letter one after another after another. In Romania, preschool is not normal. Preschool is only for the rich the rich and God's people, God's kids in the gypsy village. These kids are going to have a a jump start. They're even beginning to learn Romanian, which is not taught to gypsies. They're being taught Romanian, even at a four and five year old level. We're going to hear great things, great things out of what God's doing there. So the thing that, the the, the part about what hit me the most, poverty was the, the last night we were there, we were praying for the teens and the youth and... The Lord led me to pray for this one young man, and I asked Mart. I said, I said, ask him if he's born again, and she said, and, and she asked him, and he said, absolutely, I'm born again. And she turned to me, and she goes, Pastor John, you don't know this, but this young man, he's, he's 15 years old. He's been kicked out of the school, can't read or write. He can't, he can't, he's never, never learned how to do either arithmetic, any of it. She said a few weeks ago, he came to the Bible school on Friday night and Saturday morning. It's where all the the teens and the adults that can read, that are studying in the church, are learning the Bible school. They're going through a two-year program, Friday night, Saturday morning. And he came and he said, can I please come? And they said, well, we've already started, it's too late, and you don't know how to read. And he says, I don't care. Somebody had given him a Bible. And he sits next to his friend. He opens up the Bible and he follows along. He said, I want to learn how to read. And he's teaching himself to read one night at a time. And I asked him, I said, what do you want to be when you grow up? He got a huge smile on his face and he said, here's why I lost it. He says, I'm sick of poverty. He says, I want to help my people get out of poverty. I was like, here's this kid who can't even read or write, who God's put a vision in his heart to do something great. God's good, isn't he? God's very good. Brian, you come and share, please. Brian's gonna come and share the offering, then he'll pray and we'll receive the offering.
1: Now that I'm, I'm on. Now that I'm already all teared up. <clears throat> okay, so I would say for the last three weeks, I had assumed there was a particular topic I was going to be talking about today. And I started getting ready for it yesterday and worked on it for about, I don't know, about a half hour. And just just wasn't coming, wasn't flowing, nothing was working. So about after, I don't know, half hour of beating my head against the wall, I just stopped, kind of slumped down, and said, Okay, God, what do you want me to talk about? And pretty, pretty clearly, I heard him tell me, I want you to talk about what I taught you today. So here goes. Um, so my, my Saturday mornings, <clears throat> um, I get to spend with the girls just... The girls and I, I get up early. The girls get up early. Um, It's an opportunity for Reese to sleep in. We hang out. um, We snuggle in a chair together and watch cartoons. We. Well, I look forward to it. I think they look forward to it. We really enjoy one another. It's a good time. Um, And this last Friday, while I was praying, um, I felt God was telling me, you need to start getting up early half hour, well, no, about an hour earlier in praying the Spirit. And I figured, okay, here we go again. You're working on me. All right, let's do this. So I'm thinking about, okay, the girls usually get up about 7.30, maybe 7.15. I'll get up at 6. I'll pray, be done at 7, be done in time to hang out with the girls. So I get up, get up at 6. I'm praying in the Spirit. I'm in His presence. I'm I'm waiting. Okay, God, what are you going to show me? What are you going to what are you going to reveal to me? What great thing are you going to show me and teach me? And all of a sudden at six thirty, I hear the girls. They're up, and I'm mad. Oh. <laughs> I am not happy. I am just upset and crabby, and so I go upstairs, bring them downstairs, put them in timeout. Mainly just. Mainly just so they'd be quiet so I can finish my prayer time. So I attempt to finish my prayer time and it's just not, it's not working. I am particularly ornery. I am just not, I am not happy. So it's really a waste of time. I don't get anything else accomplished. Don't hear from God. Don't get any huge revelation. So seven o'clock comes around and I figure, okay. And my plan, since I was mad, was I was going to set them in the chair, turn the TV on, and then I was going to go back and pray because I hadn't heard from God yet. So, like I said, I I was particularly ornery. So I started to do that, and then I just knew God was telling me, no, you're going to do what you're supposed to do. You're going to cuddle with them. You're going to love on them. You're going to have your time with your girls. And I was not into it. I was not, didn't have, I, what I was thinking is, I have no sense of love towards these girls right now. There's no way I'm going to do this. And, but, 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 but they ruined our time together. <laughs> and I gave in. And I had to make, no. I had to make the decision to love them. I had to make the decision to love them. Even though I didn't feel it, I had no sense of love, I had to make the decision to love them. So, okay, we go, sit down, snuggle up in the chair, turn the TV on, and God met me. (sighs) This is your fault. The presence of God was so strong. While I was sitting there, with my girls, one in each arm, watching Clifford the Big Red Dog. And I just, you know, I could feel his love just oozing, flowing through me, oozing out of me. And it was powerful. It was an amazing time. And I'm just, you know, (laughs) they're joking, thinking, okay, I figured I had to be disciplined, get up early, pray in the Spirit for an hour before God would speak to me. And again, here I am watching Clifford, the big red dog, and he starts to speak to me. He starts to deal with me. And he started because what the first thing I thought that was was thinking that he was talking to me about was faith works by love. And when I was feeling his presence and feeling his love, I was noticing that it felt like my Faith was rock solid. I felt like I could go outside, cast that mountain into the sea. It was amazing how strong my faith felt. And so that's when he told me, remember, faith works by love. And he reminded me one of the reasons why my my faith had not been where I knew it needed to be was because I wasn't my love walk wasn't where it needed to be. And mainly, I wasn't focusing on, I wasn't meditating on His love for me. And i got to put my glasses on now. What specifically he was trying to tell me, and this applies to all of us, is that if we understand and are confident in how much God loves us. We will be filled, we will in turn be filled with his love. That's, that's just going to be the natural result. And we're going to be convinced that he is taking care of us. And if we are convinced that he is taking care of us, our faith is going to be rock solid. Again, remember, faith works by love. So, I'll just quickly read John 3.16. I'm sure you all have it memorized. For God so loved, so loved the world that he gave. He loved and he gave his only begotten son. That's whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. So I usually, I don't know that I've ever really meditated on this verse before, but I was thinking about it yesterday, and I just got the sense that the reason God sent Jesus is because he didn't want to be separated from us. He wants to hang out with us. He wants to be with us. He wants to love on us. That's why he sent him. So then the other thing that he, he was dealing with me about was that if if we understand and are confident, again, in how much he really loves us, we're going to be filled with his love, and then we're going to be, we're going to want to give. We're going to be looking for opportunities to give. It's going to flow out of us. We're filled with love. It's going to come out of us. So I guess a key question is, how do we develop that understanding of how much God loves us? You've got to read the Bible. You've got to study and meditate on the Bible. It's filled with example, examples of his love for us. So my, my point is this. Again, if, we, if, if you do study and meditate on the word, you're going to understand this. You're going to understand how much he loves us. And if we understand how much God loves us, our faith is going to be unshakable and we're going to be compelled to give. God loves, and He gave. We love, we understand His love, and we're going to give. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Father God, I thank You so much for that love. I thank You so much for the gift of Your Son. You, you gave Him because You didn't want to be separated from us. You want to be with us. You want to spend time with us. You want to love on us. You, you want to show us your goodness. Father God, we, we lift up these tithes and offerings that are, that are given today. Thank you for multiplying it. And we thank you for the blessing that you're going to give us as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Well, happy Resurrection Day. Happy Easter. It's the, the weekend where we officially celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But it's not the only weekend we celebrate it. It's last week. It's, this time of year, it's interesting being a pastor because you're out in the community and people know you're a pastor and they you know, talk about things and say, Oh, I bet you're going to have a big weekend this weekend. And I know what they're saying, you know I said uh, a, a couple different people said, I said, well, every weekend's a big weekend, so we don't do anything super special, but I understand what they're saying. This is a big weekend this is the this is the reason I think that we do every other weekend, the rest of the year yeah. and so it is special it's the it's the reason that makes getting together 51 weeks out of the year worth it. Because if this didn't happen, who cares? If this didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. But it did happen. And it didn't happen by accident. That was the, the thing that the Holy Spirit has been saying to me over and over all weekend long, is He did this on purpose. He did it on purpose. He had to do it on purpose because we were lost without it. But he also, how he did it, what he did every step of the way was on purpose. It was the reason that he created man. He wanted people, like Brian said, in relationship with him. Turn with me to Matthew, or I'm sorry, Psalm. Turn with me to Psalm must need to go to Matthew at some point. It keeps trying to pop out of my mouth. (laughs) Psalm 57. Psalm 57, beginning with verse 1. And if, if you noticed on Facebook, this last Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I've put a number of groupings of verses together. Old Testament prophecies and then the New Testament verses that fulfilled them. And I did that to show context, not only for my Christian friends, but especially for my non-Christian friends. And I've actually got a number of Jewish friends around the world to show the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament's fulfilling. Psalm 57 is another one of those that I didn't use, but could have. Psalm 57, beginning with verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God Most High, to God who fulfills purpose, His purpose for me. He will send from heaven and save me, He will put to shame him who tramples on me. God will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. When Jesus was dying on the cross, it seemed like the end of the world was happening, not only to him, but to everybody else. But Jesus was not without hope. He knew who his father was, and he knew what his Purpose was. He knew that he came there. He, his whole life was about coming to that very moment. Now, it wasn't easy, I'm sure. I'm, I'm positive it wasn't easy. I'm positive it wasn't fun. I, it, it, it hurt. It was beyond horrible. But in the midst of it, I don't believe he was, he was without hope. Because he knew it's the very reason he existed. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, the beginning of it all. This has been God's purpose. This was God's purpose from the very beginning. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you. He's talking to the snake, which is really Satan. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. 21st century is full of so much fun. The Apostle Paul never had to deal with those kind of things. But here we are. From the very beginning, it was God's purpose and his plan for Jesus to die on the cross. That just seems hard, doesn't it? But he knew man was man. Man was frail. Man was going to make a mistake. And that he needed to have a plan in place. And that plan was Jesus. And everything from that moment on, for the next 4,000 years, things happened on purpose. They didn't happen by accident. They didn't happen, oh gosh, I never saw that coming. But but, But God led throughout history His purpose and His plan to save mankind on purpose. It wasn't just Jesus who was here on purpose. Others were here on purpose. Turn with me to John chapter one. John the Baptist had a purpose. John chapter one, beginning with verse 29. So the next day he, John, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, "Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world." He knew who Je- what Jesus' purpose was. He knew. He had read the Scriptures too. He had been told by God, here's your purpose, and your purpose is to, is to reveal the one who's coming after you. And he recognized Jesus as that one, and so he makes that public declaration, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who ranks before me because he was before me. You know that John was born first? And yet he says he was before me. He knew exactly who Jesus was. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. John said it was the very purpose that he existed. He lived to reveal Jesus Christ to Israel, to have to set the stage. And that's what the Old Testament prophecy said, that a man would come, one who was preaching in the wilderness, and it talked about him, he's going to be a wild guy. And he was going to be be, uh, uh, full of the Word of God, but also full of fire. And he said his whole purpose was to reveal God, reveal the Son of God coming on the earth. And that's exactly what he did. And as soon as his purpose was fulfilled, he said, it's now time for me to digress, to to regress, to fall back, and for him to move forward. He knew that his purpose had been fulfilled, and it was time for Jesus to do his thing. It was time for Jesus to fulfill his purpose. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. This is talking about Jesus during His ministry. This, these are some of His own words. Luke chapter 4, beginning with verse 40. It says, well, Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any who were sick with various diseases brought them to Him. And He laid hands on them, every one of them, and healed them. And demons also came out, many crying, "You are the son of God." But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because he knew that they knew he was the Christ. And when it was day, he departed and went into a desolate place. And the people sought him and came to him and he would have kept and would have kept him from leaving them. Of course, he he was meeting their needs. "Don't go, Jesus. Stay here, be our Messiah." But his purpose was much bigger than that. But he said to them, verse 43, But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Purpose. God had a purpose for mankind. God had a purpose for Abraham, Isaac, Isaac. Jacob, sons of Israel, the children of Israel coming out of Egypt for Moses, for for the other prophets, teachers, priests, people of God moving through history, getting ready for the Messiah to come. And all of a sudden he's here, and John came with purpose. And he fulfilled his purpose. And then Jesus came with purpose. There was a reason he existed. It wasn't by accident that a man named Jesus came along who who could do miracles. No, it was by the plan of God, it was on purpose. And they knew that they had a purpose. They both said they had a purpose. This is why I exist. And they fulfilled that call. John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 23. John 12. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it and whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life if anyone serves me he must follow me and where i am there my sir there will my servant be also if anyone serves me the father will honor him now is my soul troubled and what shall i say father save me from this hour for this purpose I have come to this hour. He wasn't so much asking God to save him from the hour. He knew why he was there. This was before the Garden of Gethsemane. We know the story that when he's in the garden, he prays and he says, uh, he says Father, if, this cu- if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. He didn't say that because he didn't know why he was there and he didn't know why it was happening. He said it to fulfill Scripture. He said it on purpose. It was the very hour that he had come to was the reason he came. He knew that. And it said that he he set his face toward Jerusalem and walked resolutely, which means he didn't look to the left or the right. He just kept right on walking right to Jerusalem, knowing full well what was about to happen. He fulfilled his purpose. So as you can see, I've, Pulled a number of verses that align up with this weekend that all have the same word in it purpose. And it all comes to this question What's your purpose? What's your purpose? Why are you here? Why are you on this earth? Because the the Easter story, the resurrection story doesn't end here. It doesn't end on Easter day and with the festivities and everything else and okay, now we get back to our regular life. The resurrection story has a purpose. And that purpose was to make possible The rest of our existence, and to give us a purpose to live. But we all have a choice. We all have a choice, just like Moses had a choice, and Abram had a choice, and John the Baptist had a choice, and Jesus had a choice. Every one of us has a choice. Am I going to fulfill the purpose that God put me on the earth? Why are you here? Why do you exist? It's not by accident. God didn't look at you at your birth and go, Whoa, how did that happen? No, the Word says, From the beginning of time, He's known you. You exist because He wanted you to exist. I don't remember much of the 60s. Not because of my lifestyle, I was just pretty young. <laughs> but remember 60s and 70s? I need to find myself. Used to hear that all the time in TV shows and songs, and need to find myself. Everybody really wants to know what their purpose is. This last week, it was kind of comical because, in the Bible school that they're showing that that they're using in Eastern Europe, and right now there's I think there's over well over a dozen different dozen different uh, churches that are a part of this Bible school, and they meet at least weekly, sometimes twice a week, listen to it together, study it, discuss it, and then take tests on it. But apparently one of the one of the churches just got done going through the call section or the call you know that God has called you and he's called you to a purpose and he's given you a mission and a you know he's put a vision before you and and uh, because as I, I was we were praying for people I had somebody come up and through Martha the interpreter she says uh, she smiles she says they they want to know what God's purpose is for them I was like okay well I mean, what they wanted was a word, a word of knowledge or a word of prophecy. And I said, well, your purpose is to serve God with all of your heart and to love Him. Because God didn't give me a word, but I know what the Bible says. Oh, okay, thank you, Pastor, thank you. And then the next person came up. Marta says, that. well, they want to know what their purpose is too. Your purpose is is to love God with all of your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Serve Him. Do whatever He tells you to do. Oh, thank you, Pastor. That's wonderful. All of a sudden, three little girls come up, and I went, oh, wait, stop. I have a word of knowledge. They want to know what their purpose is. (laughs) And she laughed, and she said, yeah, that was pretty spiritual, Pastor. That was amazing. So they said, you know, they, they said it in their language, and she interpreted. It. They want to know what their purpose and plan, what God's purpose was for them was. And I said, Oh, come here, come here, close. So, through more, I said, Obey your parents. <laughs> they get big eyes, really? Whoa. <laughs> Love your brother and sister. Seek God with all of your heart. I mean, you know, we all want this super spiritual answer through a prophetic word of God. When the reality is what Brian said, it's in the Word already. He's already told us what our purpose is. But that's not as cool as what I hope that it is. What's your purpose? Why are you here? Not why are we here? That's, a whole, that's another question, so that's a, that's a fair question. But have you ever asked why am I here? God, why have you created me? Yes, it's to know Him. Yes, it's to serve Him. Yes, it's to, it's to be in a relationship with Him. Yeah, that's the ultimate purpose. And praise God, we'll have eternity to develop that, to walk in that. But why are you here, right here, right now? Why do you live in this area? Why do you work where you work? Why do you live where you live? What is your purpose? It was absolutely amazing to me that night, sitting in that room with all those leaders. I mean, these guys don't know anything about leading churches. I mean, that's our that right now is is a high on the list of things we need to work on. You know, we're going to start putting together some curriculum and try to get somebody there who can who can help them and to mentor them, because they you know they don't have any training. They haven't been pastors for a number of years, gone through the seminary, and they don't have time to. Why? Because they were just regular people. Guys in the church that God spoke to their heart and said, start a Bible study. Go talk to your friend. Go, go minister to so-and-so. And they just believed him. And they did it. And it just stirred me up that here's these people who have... No qualifications at all. Actually, they are less qualified than you are. Because they haven't had all the benefits and all the, 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 uh, the, the luxuries of having Christian radio and Christian books and, and tapes and, and CDs and, and MP3s of every sermon, every uh, leader. I mean, you know more than most pastors around the world. You do. You do. You personally. And here are these people who just go, you know what? I feel like I'm supposed to do something. And they start a church. I mean, they didn't plan on starting a church. They they just started sharing the love of Christ. They started doing what God told them to do with their neighbor, their co-worker, their friends, their whatever. And, boop, a fellowship started up. And that fellowship turns into a group that met weekly. And that group that met weekly turned into a church. And now they're going, what do I do now? The guy who's leading all of this barely has an eighth grade education. And he and constantly he's saying, I don't know what to do. And we've I, I smiled and I said, Okay, here's the deal. We get that. You don't know what to do, but don't stop doing what you're doing because it's working. One church is now five, and they're growing exponentially. Whatever you're doing, it's working, don't stop. You're more qualified than He is. You've heard more word than He has. What is your purpose? How is God going to reach the valley? How is He going to reach, touch the St. Croix River Valley from Solon Springs at the headwaters of the St. Croix all the way to Prescott? How is He going to do that Well, I'll tell you how he's going to do it. Through you. Through each one of you. Being who God has called you to be. Well, yeah, but I don't have a degree. Okay, you're still more qualified than most people in the world. You're ready. Love the person who's with you. Preach to the person who's next to you. What do you mean preach? I don't know how to preach. No, don't get wrapped up in that stuff. Tell them what God has done for you. Give the testimony of your life. Share the love of Christ wherever you are, whatever that means. That is your purpose. Our purpose is not to gather stuff. Our purpose is not to climb the corporate ladder. I mean, your ultimate purpose. Your ultimate purpose is not to have a high social standing. Your purpose is to preach the the name of the Lord Jesus Christ wherever you go to every person that you meet. However he gives you to do it. Now all those other things, he may have you do them, but he'll do them better than you do. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew. I finally got to Matthew. Matthew 6. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added onto you. You'll climb the corporate ladder, but you won't have to work at it. He'll do it in you. I mean, you know, it's work. Of course it is. But it's through that work that you exhibit the life of Christ to those around you. And you speak life into them, you speak truth into them. Every one of us, every one of you, Every one of you, if you're born again, if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have in you enough to change this whole world. But you have to do what everybody else has done. You have to do it. You have to take that step. John the Baptist walked out into the desert and started preaching. Jesus took that step down to the Jordan, took those steps to preach the gospel everywhere that he went. He took the steps to go to Jerusalem to die on the cross. What is your purpose? Your purpose is bigger than what you think it is. Well, I'm just. I'm just. And I'm not going to put anybody's name in there because it's all, it's all of us. I, I wish I could say every one of your names, every one of your, your occupations. Yes, you are just. But you can be an influence. Being just. When you wake up in the morning, I I challenge you to say, Father, what is my purpose? And this Sunday is a perfect weekend to start because this is the reason we do it. We follow Him in obedience. Purpose. Purpose. Have the ushers prepare. Verse 31 of John 12. And we'll close with this 31 through 33. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show what kind of death he was going to die. He declared His purpose. His purpose was to die on that cross. Praise God He did it. Praise God He fulfilled it. Your purpose, where you are, who you are, is that important. Because there are people that only you have an opportunity to reach. There have been people in this world That if they hadn't heard it from me, they weren't going to hear it from anybody else. Boy, that's a lot of pressure, Pastor John. Yeah, I know. It is, isn't it? There's a lot of pressure going to the cross, too. But it's what we're called to. Don't love your life so much that you save it and someone else loses theirs. It's worth giving up. It's worth dying for. This morning, it would be absolutely a miss for me to not give someone here who doesn't know Jesus Christ, has never never been born again, the opportunity to know Him, to be born again. It's the most important thing you'll ever do. It's the most important thing you'll ever do to this point. Jesus came to this earth. We sang it before. It was just a cool song. He came to this earth. He lived a sinless life. He preached by faith that He was the Son of God, that He was going to go to the cross, and He did it. He went to the cross, and He died for us. Every sin you've ever committed is under the blood. But you have to accept that. You have to believe it. You have to accept it for your own. And then you have to make him Lord of your life. That's really important. You have to let him be the Lord of your life. And by being with the Lord of your life, he may say, do something uncomfortable. Go to your neighbor. Go to your coworker and tell him about me. Tell your sister-in-law, oh, not my sister-in-law. She needs Jesus too. God loves her too. When you do that, it's not up to you for her to to, for her to get saved. It's up to you to preach it. One of the nights in in Hungary, I gave an altar call and nobody came forward. Not one person. And there were people in that room that were you was they were physically affected by the gospel. I could see it on them, and the Holy Spirit was saying they need to get saved. I preached for 20 minutes. Preached my heart out. Gave an altar call and nobody came forward. Holy Spirit says, you're done. Sit down. Okay. It's not, up, it's not my job for to, that people come forward. It's my job to preach the Word. I learned that a long time ago. It's not your job to get people saved. It's your job to preach the Word. When we do that, He'll do the rest. If you've never been born again, I want to give you that opportunity. It it happens in a decision in your heart. The Bible said that somebody asked the disciples, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And then profess His Lordship. Jesus, you are Lord of my life. And tell somebody else, Jesus is Lord of my life. This is what He did for me. And it's the foolishness of that preaching, that, that speaking those things out, it puts conviction in people's hearts. You don't have to convict them. The Holy Spirit, that's His job. So if you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, right now you can do that. You believe in your heart that He died on the cross for you. You profess that, Jesus, I believe you. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for the cro- uh, died on the cross for me and I accept that. And from this day forward, you get to be Lord of my life. And then you go tell somebody. I still remember the first person I ever told was the hardest thing I had done ever in my life to that point. Because that person knew me who knew me before and now I was going to have to tell that person that I'm different. It was hard. I'm sure glad I did. Obedience opens doors. You can accept Christ right here, right now not going to have you come forward raise your hand no it has to be a decision of your heart and then you tell somebody you tell somebody it's by that confession of your mouth being obedient to that, and you could do that right now we're going to receive communion this is in remembrance of what jesus did that day that weekend dying on the cross shedding his blood remission of sins a celebration of his life. But before we receive communion, we're going to do that in just a moment. Can I ask John Pierre, can you come up please? John Pierre leaves this week for the Philippines. He's been going to the Philippines on a regular basis now for a couple of years. He leaves this week, and when he goes there, not sure all what you're doing, but while you're there, you're going to preach the gospel. He's already, we already, we've uh, we made, what, 10,000? How many, how many tracks did we make? 1,000 tracks. He's going to be handing out while he's in the Philippines. I want to pray for him. Doing what God tells you to do. Go to the Philippines, preach the gospel. All right, go for it. Amen. Let's pray. Anybody else want to pray for him? Come on up real quick. Father God, we do thank you for John Pierre. We thank you for his life. We thank you for his heart for you. And Father, your word says that that we should be sent out. And so Father, as a church, we send him out right now in the name of Jesus. We pray for your anointing on everything that he does. The words of his mouth, the actions of his life. That you lead him to the people that need to hear Put the words in his mouth, Father, to to preach life and to preach your love to these people. Thank you, Father, for amazing opportunities. Thank you, Father, for your power, your demonstrated power to confirm the preaching of the Word. Father, I thank you that, that things that he's never seen before will happen this time. A moving of your Spirit, a moving of your power however you lead, Father, that you manifest yourself through him to confirm your word that Jesus Christ is alive and well and Lord. Father, we pray for protection around him. No weapon formed against him shall prosper. Thank you, Lord. Every bit of this trip will be full of power, full of joy, full of life in every way. And Father, we give you the glory even before we hear it. By faith, we give you glory for lives changed and your name lifted up. Thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Glory to God. Amen. Thank you. Hallelujah. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread. It says that he broke it and he said, This is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He knew what his purpose was. He knew that his purpose was for his life to be broken for us. And what they did to him that night, that day, was inhuman. It was truly broken. Then it says, The end of the meal, he took the cup. He said, this is my shed blood. He knew exactly what was about to happen. This is my shed blood, the blood of the new covenant for the remission of sins. As often as you do this, remember me. Please stand. I'm going to pray. We'll come forward. Receive communion. If you need prayer for anything, ask somebody to pray for you. Fellowship. Celebrate the life of Jesus. And have a wonderful week. Let's pray. Father God, we do thank you once again. Thank you for life. Thank you for your anointing. Thank you for Jesus. Jesus, thank you for your obedience. And thank you for life evermore. We truly do do this in remembrance of you this morning. For your glory, for your honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.